Second Timothy chapter one, and we're talking about fight to the finish. Um, so Paul's in a fight to the finish, and he's calling his uh, in his son in the Lord Timothy to follow in his footsteps uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, I did a Bible study here with y'all uh, a few weeks ago. We, we covered the whole book, went through all five chapters, and of course, uh huh. Question: Why are we back in one when the latest, you know, the last thing we had, chapter two, and so on? I mean, we have because I did a review. Oh, okay. Uh, that's actually what, yeah, I did a whole overview of the whole book in one. That, that's why I was actually just saying. So what we saw in the entire book um, that that Paul's final identif- uh, we saw. Yeah, I flew over the entire book and saw Paul's final identification, his final instruction, his final warning, his final charge. And so, uh, and at that time I I mentioned that the book was deeply personal and practical and powerful as we saw Paul as the preacher and the pattern and the prophet and the prisoner. So that's... Yeah, yeah. So now we're going back in and diving a little deeper. So now you, yeah, you're catching up with me. All right. So, um, and so... uh, Paul uh, was the author, and uh, and of course Timothy, or actually the audience is Timothy. Uh, he's writing it personally to him, and uh, and so I don't know. I wonder sometimes if Paul, when he wrote these epistles, intended everybody in the world to read them. I suspect he did not, right? So I think these are personal to Timothy, and, and of course they were read uh, to the churches and became part of the the canon. Uh, but God knows uh, that this personal letter became public uh, for the purposes of our study tonight. So uh, if we were going to break the book uh, into to two acts, right, like a play, uh, I would say act one is be who God saved you to be in uh, chapters one and two. And then uh, the next one is do that which God saved you to do, which you hear me say all the time. That's in our discipleship, which is Second Timothy 3 through 4. And so... This uh, this this uh, evening, we're going to focus on our identity in Christ, and so we can't appreciate all the changes that have taken place in our lives fully, but the Bible says we are new creatures, and we've been sanctified and set apart. I was talking about this morning with the children of Israel and Goshen, circumcised by the Spirit of God. I mentioned circumcision this morning as well, and called with holy calling. And so just like uh, spiritual birth is an amazing manifestation of life, so too is the spiritual nature of the born-again believer. So the time for Timothy to be ignorant of all that God, um, ignorant of all that God saved him to be, is over. Right? He's now got to grow up and go on forward as a disciple and a replacement for Paul, uh, in a sense. And he's there in, not only in Christ's stead, but in Paul's stead. He and Titus and those other disciples. So Paul now calls on his beloved son and the Lord to seize hold of his identity in Christ, so he can serve God confidently fearlessly and unashamedly and so um let's look at our text and we'll we'll uh, we'll go from there uh second timothy chapter um <clears throat> chapter one i have in my notes here chapter two that would be the wrong uh that'd be the wrong text chapter one paul an apostle of jesus christ by the will of god according to the promise of life which is in christ jesus to timothy uh <clears throat> I'm sorry, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and 
in Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy grandmother Eunice, <clears throat> I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, um, by the putting on of my hands, for God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Heavenly Father, as we look at this text, I pray a blessing to the reading and the hearing of your word tonight, and also upon our prayer time at the conclusion of this time. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so <clears throat> um, there's a distinction between the instructions of First and Second Timothy. First Timothy deals with the command of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. <clears throat> in this epistle, Paul introduces himself as the Apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ is our hope to live life and is the promise of life in Christ Jesus that gives us the strength to live our life. So um, as we look at this text, and it's going to take us a few weeks to get through this, uh, what we'll see as we go through it is the promise of life in Christ produces no doubt of our identity. So we'll be dealing with our identity. There's no fear in ministry and no shame in suffering. So if you're looking at your notes there, the promise of life in Christ produces no doubt in our identity. And so there's no doubt in your identity. So no doubt in your identity. So point A, do uh, do not doubt your identity as a dearly beloved son. 2 Timothy 1, 2-4. Though Paul identifies himself formally as the apostle, he doesn't continue speaking to Timothy uh, in formality. Uh, it's interesting that in most of Paul's letters he greets the churches with grace and peace. But in First and Second Timothy, he, he introduces mercy. He says grace, mercy, and peace. He also said the same thing to Titus. The only other place that I found this introduction is in the, apostles, in the Apostle John's introduction to the elect lady and her children in Second John, verse 3. So Paul understood that pastors need mercy. Mercy, mercy, as they say. So the church doesn't need mercy because she's been spared the wrath to come, right? First Thessalonians 1.10. So the church isn't going to face God's wrath. Uh, but it's not until I studied this <clears throat> introduction that I realized mercy is reserved for the individuals and families, but not applied to the church as a whole. So Paul understood that the pastor's job was going to be rough, and the wounds of ministry would require mercy, right? Uh, and, and, of course, uh, we all need some mercy. Anybody prayed to God for mercy? So Paul also understands that the pastor uh, would give account before the Lord for his stewardship of the mysteries of Christ and knows all of us who fill the office will need mercy before the Lord Jesus Christ on how we stewarded the affairs of the body of Christ. Because obviously it's more than uh, than a man can handle, really. That's why you need Jesus. So Paul doesn't spend much time on the formalities and transitions. Uh, he quickly gets into the encouragement of Timothy. Uh, and he says in verse 2, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace uh, from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is what's coming to Timothy, and that's a blessing. So, <clears throat> uh, so we see that Timothy is the dearly beloved son of the Apostle Paul. And uh, my dearly beloved son is a strong statement, as we've already covered, of affection. In 1 Timothy, he was addressing him as a fellow officer. Now he's addressing him as a son. And so, you know, practically speaking, uh, that's important to all of us that we address people uh, that we love with affection, right? Uh, not just in, 
you know, it always troubles me when kids call their parents by their... <clears throat> I was just talking to someone, I was talking with Amy the other day about <clears throat> a person I know that addresses their grandfather as Dr. So-and-so. And uh, I, always, I find that peculiar, you know. Huh? No, it's. I, I opened it. It is fresh. I just didn't want to interrupt myself, but I will. I'm parched. I have this strange. Randy and I were talking about this the other day. Just time out here. When I I brush my teeth, I get completely dried up in my mouth. And he said that was peculiar. He doesn't do that. Am I the only person that is like that? I guess so. Yeah, because Randy says you're just weird, Brian. I'm like, I guess you're right. So, <clears throat> um, because yeah, every time I brush my teeth, I am just parched. Uh, as I've been that way my whole life, so I don't know. Maybe I'm having a reaction to tooth- toothpaste. But anyhow. Um, it has nothing to do with anything, but uh, I am. But it does affect me, like every time, like today before I came in, and this morning before I preach, I'm always just just dying for water because of that. Uh, anyway, how did I get up on that? Um, grace, mercy, and peace. Where am I at? I, I lost my way. So anyway, oh, the affection. See, calling your grandpa, you know, doctor is weird. You know, uh, it'd be like if your even if your dad was the president. Of the country, you know, President Hedges, you know, or whatever. I mean, it's just strange, you know. I there's a. It doesn't matter what your station in life is when it comes to family. Though that just that eclipses all the formality, in my view. You know, um, I think it's odd to call your relatives by their, you know, their their formal names. Maybe I'm odd, but it seems to hear that that uh, Paul, uh, though, by the way, doesn't forsake formality uh, when it comes to the church. When it comes to a personal letter to his son Timothy, he's very personable. And I think it's important that we talk to people with terms and affection. Um, and if you don't, you should. I mean, you should. You know, when the church, that's why we call each other brothers and sisters and stuff like that. It's That's a more intimate. You don't do that. Sometimes they do it in the world, you know, in the common brotherhood of man. It, yeah, sometimes it does. But it's it's also sincere, I think, often in the body of Christ. Um, and so, anyway, uh, it should be. But anyway, I'm not judging. Anyway, that's, a, that's up to the person. But he doesn't spend a lot of time on that. Um, he and, and so Paul's affection for Timothy started because of the ministry of the gospel. That's really how it started. So this starts with our relationship in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that Paul came through Derby and Lystra, and he met with this young man named Timotheus, and the grandson of, of Lois and Eunice. And Timothy's relationship with Paul began with his relationship with the gospel. And so, you know, Paul himself said, you may have a lot of instructors in Christ, but not a lot of uh, fathers, right? So spiritual fathers are a premium. 1 Corinthians 4.14, and I don't think, I, I did leave that in your notes, good. It said, I write not these things to shame you, but as, as my beloved sons, I warn you, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. So, you can turn on a podcast or a radio program or a television program, and you can get a hold of a Christian guru. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's actually some really good things about some of those things. But deep relationships are formed when people walk with you and they travel with you and they do ministry with you. Uh, even in our structure here at the church, we recognize that your deepest relationships are going to be formed in ministry, right? Getting up close to each other and working in the E-wing or going out and mowing the lawn or doing soccer uh, or doing whatever it is that you're doing, uh, stitching, 
Uh, there's a million things going on all the time around here, uh, some formal, some informal. But all of those things are really what knit people together as we walk with the Lord. We walk with each other, and those relationships grow uh, much deeper as we walk together. We travel, we take these trips overseas and, uh, and to other locations and things like that. So even the world knows this, and that's why they have, a big, they have big brothers and big sisters, right? So they try to get people to help form relationships uh, with young people that need that influence. Um, and that what's really cool about God is he recognizes the state of humanity. And, uh, and so if you don't have a father, father figures are huge right now. Um, uh, you know, you hear Josh Hawley talking about it, you hear Jason Whitlock talking about it, you hear all these, it's becoming much more of a, of an understood thing in the culture as the families are being torn apart. There's a whole, I wouldn't even, not even a main, not, I said, well, for us, we're mainstream. We're just a sliver of the, a small sliver, slice almost of, of the pie as Bible believers. But, but even people that, that are definitely not where we are on the word of God recognize, you know, we need to have fathers and we need to have families. I mean, it's becoming obvious that the family's under attack and all of those things. And so, if you, the cool thing about God, I'm, I'm leading to something, is that he, if you don't have a father, God provides one for you. I mean, that is outstanding. I mean, God is amazing like that. So a good son will receive input from his father. Um, uh, and so, you know, 15 or 16 or 18-year-olds may not know the right know that right now, but, but your dad is a lot smarter, right, once you get into your 20s, right? When kids may not recognize their dads are smart, but once they get a little older... They realize, wow, that wasn't as dumb as I thought. So if you come from a dysfunctional family, uh, Paul says, I'll give you some fatherly advice. You know, uh, pour yourself in the Word of God, son. Invest your life in the Word of God. Read Proverbs daily and choose a path that a good son uh, would would choose and avoid that of a bad son. Right. So you have a father in heaven. And in the context of the local church, God provides father figures uh, through the ministry as well. Paul was a father figure, no doubt, to Timothy. And, and he verbalized that as he called him his son. He took ownership of Timothy, so to speak, and, and relationally as a son in the Lord. And so, um, you know, my testimony is very similar to that, with all due respect, by the way, to my earthly father. Um, uh, I was raised in an environment, um, as many members of our church might have been as well, but not all, um, where maybe Christ wasn't preeminent. But nonetheless, when I became a son of God, March 25th, 1987, which I always tell people is my birthday, not only did I receive the gift of eternal life, but I also received, in my case, which isn't always the case with folks that get saved, but I received the gift of a, of a uh, spiritual father, so to speak. Um, I got a relationship with, with, godly, uh, with a godly man and godly men that stewarded me as Paul did Timothy. And I, was, I really hit the bonus round because uh, I didn't just have one good spiritual influence. I had a whole like department of them, so God was really good with me. So when I went to work, I had Herb Newton. You know, I had Earl Cross living to Christ and disciple me. Uh, he was a service kind of guy, so he was always a, he'd be a Steve Morford, you know, usher greeter kind of fella, just faithful, working the door, whatever. Um, uh, very handy, kind of a, of a deacon type of person. Uh, and so I'm like, I'm interested in sports ministry. He's not interested in sports ministry. So when I went to sports ministry, he put uh, Tim uh, Templeton there, right? I got to work under Tim Templeton. And then when I went to work, uh, I ended up going to Fagan and, and, uh, and Herb Newton became my, my work father, right? So I had these influences. Everywhere I went was outstanding. Uh, I, had, uh, I had older, wiser men 
that uh, were really good examples for me to follow. So I really, I hit the man, I hit the jackpot when I got saved. I, I, I only, not only did I get Earl, I got all his buddies and a few extras on top of it, <clears throat> and so that really helped me out. As I was 17 years, 16, about to turn 17, uh, when I got saved. So that was beautiful. And so if you come from a dysfunctional family, you, you can get in a functional family. That doesn't mean it's a perfect family, but it is functional. Um, and so it is, it is important to have those relationships. And you don't have to have a man in the church with the stature of Paul, by the way, to look to as a spiritual father. The scripture is clear that we are, are you know, we're to call no man father. Right, so we're supposed to avoid, you know, anyone. We're not, we're not to worship people, right? That is certainly not the case. We don't want to worship anybody, uh, and we're not talking about an overlord, right? Young, that's one of the things that in discipleship we try to avoid uh, is is overlording, right? It's one thing to steward and shepherd people as adults, uh, but you don't want to be their overlord, right? You're not their master, so to speak. Even though you are their, in the sense of a master, you are their teacher. But you're not their Lord. Jesus is their Lord. So you've got to give people liberty to respond to the, the leading of the Spirit of God. And so you're really talking about a, uh, a nurturing relationship, right, with another brother or sister in Christ. That's what discipleship's about. Male or female, doesn't matter. I'm using the male gender because that's what we find in the Bible. But, uh, but it also, of course, is important with the, the ladies as well. And so uh, as we talk about, you know, nurturing a brother or sister in Christ who cares about your spiritual growth, you need, you need faithful men and you need faithful women. Um, and so to this day, I count uh, Earl Cross and Sherry Cross as... Earl's my father in the in the ministry, uh, and he did not take he didn't go through one day of shepherd school. Uh, he has not preached in one pulpit as a pastor or any of that. I mean, you don't even have to. It's not about attaining. Like I'm a pastor, so the next guy has to attain to my status. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, just like my, I'm as different uh, in vocation as my I could ever be from my earthly father. Yet my, I will, and I want to give some props out to dad because my dad was was a good dad. Uh, he taught me a lot. And uh, and and uh, but I'm totally different. As a matter of fact, to my dad's credit, he didn't ask me or tell me to follow in his footsteps. He didn't. He wouldn't have been opposed to it. Probably. Uh, the only time he intervened is when I thought I wanted to be an auto body. He did evidently see something in me that he did not want me to go the road. I I will say that one good thing about my uh, not one. There's more than one good thing, but one thing that was unique about my dad, uh, my earthly father, is he was not one to really input a lot of pressure on me to do anything. Um, um, and, I mean, it was pretty much up to me. Uh, so the free will thing, uh, he was pretty gracious like that. Uh, there was obviously, ex- there was expectations, but, but he didn't force me, you know, to play sports. I played sports because I like to play sports. He didn't force me to do anything other than I didn't have to mow the lawn. But he wasn't like over me with a beat. Uh, he wasn't going to beat me down over anything. Uh, even though he was outside of the home, could beat somebody down. Uh, he wasn't like that with me and in the family unit. Um, and so uh, the point I say all that just to say that in my educational path, interestingly enough, uh, he did insert himself when I was in high school because I, I wanted to be a carpenter, uh, so I wanted to do building trades, or I wanted to do auto body, and I wanted to be able to use a spray gun and all this stuff. And I was building my repertoire um, and uh, I, and I was because I was in shop class. I was making furniture. I like carpentry. I like building things. I, I like that kind of stuff. I just do. I mean, it's fun. Um, it's for me. It's enjoyable. Uh, laying out the plans and then making something. And so I'm thinking, well, I could do cabinet making. I could do carpentry. Maybe I could frame houses. You know, that's that was the track my mind was in. 
you know. And, uh, you know, the, the I was, we were just talking about this last night. The forensics teacher was like, you should get into debate. And I'm like, debate? That's for geeks. I'm not doing that. And so uh, so I wouldn't do forensics. I was going to play football. I was going to go shop class, going to go get into building trades. And maybe I could go build some houses, maybe someday be a builder. I don't know. And, man, my dad was just like, no, you're not doing that. You're definitely not. And he's definitely not going to be in an in, uh, in, in auto body. And I was like, why not, Dad? I, like, I think that's cool, you know. And he's like, no, you do not need to be with those type of people. Which for my dad was like, he was every man's guy. So, and one of our best, one of our good friends in our community was the auto body guy. Of course, my dad probably, he knew things I didn't know at the time. But anyway, uh, <laughs> which is my point. And so he inserted himself in my life. And he just, he literally, he literally insisted I take drafting. My earthly father. Of which I was not inclined to do. Of course, that's where I got saved. And so, uh, I, I look back on that and how God uses a father in your life to guide you. And he was like, nope, you need to take drafting. If you're going to go vocational school, you need to go do drafting. I'm like, well, okay. And, uh, and so, I did. And I got saved and that became a vocation of which I, I've used even within the last few weeks. So, uh, anyway, it's just amazing how God uses a father figure in your life, uh, to help direct you. Uh, and so, um, you know, many years ago when I met James Fife, uh, I was troubled about his generation and how many of them had fallen away from the Lord. And if you, many of you know, James Fife, he's a, he was a missionary and, uh, and is a now a pastor up at Midtown Baptist Temple. And he was here for our vision conference, as a matter of fact, teaching the youth. And there was a season when it appeared to me that James would, would wander off into the land of just mediocrity. And so I met with him and, and I asked him, what is it you know, that, that made the difference in your life? Because all of the peers of which I was very uh, warm toward, his peers, I was not old enough to be a father figure. I was more of a brother, big brother figure in their lives. Um, kind of drifted off. And, and, and it touched my life here at this church because some of them are the you know relatives of, of, of men in a church here that I respect. And, and as I looked at all of those things, um, you know what really made the difference when I met with him uh, at the end of the day is he just said it was my mom and my dad. That's the difference. It wasn't the church. It wasn't all of these other things. It wasn't wasn't my youth guy Brian Hedges. You know, even though he gives me way too much credit uh, at times, and when I was his junior high counselor, it wasn't all of that. What really made the difference in his life uh, was was Doug Fife. Doug Fife made the difference, uh, and um, just a normal guy that got up every day and went to work. And every day he said, "I'd see my dad at the kitchen table with his Bible open." You know. And I knew he, he was serious, and he and he was. If you knew Doug, Doug has always got a smile on his face, always willing to serve. Um, you know, if you looked at it again in hierarchy, it would look like James has you know had some other station in the in, in church ministry way above his dad. But in reality, that's not the case. His dad set a wonderful example, and because of that, James was able to go beyond. And so, uh, his mother's prayers, um, you know. Uh, made a big difference, right? And so mothers, man, it's important that mothers pray and, and don't just have endless complaints, right? Because an endless complaint, Proverbs talks about that, right? It's drip, 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 drip. It'll just tear a boy up. Uh, and so it's better to complain to the Lord and pray 
and take that to the Lord and, and have the Lord work in that young man's life and so or that young lady's life. So according to James, along with others, uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, that invested in his life. Ultimately, his dad loomed large, which isn't a surprise. And it's getting back to my point. We're not going to get to point B. Uh, but this this evening, uh, if you identify with Christ Jesus as a child of God, you need to have a relationship through discipleship, right? And we all understand that here. Uh, to steward the heart and mind uh, toward ministry to and for and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, so when we do stuff, when we assemble Bibles together, or uh, stitch together, or go out and do soccer together, we're really not just doing that for Jesus. We're doing that with Jesus, and you don't really get that until you grow up a little bit. Like like the people that you're doing it with are part of the part of the deal. Uh, playing in the praise band together, uh, singing this morning. What a great, by the way, great song service this morning, guys. Wonderful. Um, you know, th- those are you're doing it with Jesus because Jesus is part of it with everybody you're doing it. And so we obviously are doing it for Jesus. We sang that this morning, right? It's all about you, Jesus. It is all about Jesus, and we are doing it for Jesus, but we're also doing it with Jesus because we're doing it with one another, and this is his church. And so these relationships are really special. And so, uh, when you think about ministry, who are you following in ministry today? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, and I don't mean church attendance. I mean, who's discipling you, right? And you're like, well, I've already been through discipleship. Well, that's true. Okay, then maybe you're past that. You're a journeyman. Um, but if you're not, all right, let's start there. So, who's your ministry head, right? Who's who's leading you in ministry? Uh uh, you know who who is taking uh, you out for invitation, and if you don't need someone to take you out on invitation, who are you taking out on invitation next weekend, right? And so, um, so those are good questions, right? Who are you working with in the E wing, or who is working with you in the E wing, right? So discipleship goes well beyond. You know, 16 lessons. Uh, you know, who are you uh, leading in the soccer ministry, and who are you helping lead in the so who's work? Who are you working to help lead in the soccer ministry? Right. So, we're all moving together uh, as we follow Jesus in His will. Um, you know, man, there's just so many things like life issues. Same thing. You go through all the ministries of the church. You know, who are we helping with life issues? Who's being helped? Who 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 are we working with in the ministry? Who's teaching you to be a godly mother or father? Um, and sometimes we learn by what not to do. Unfortunately, right? There's vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Uh, I just that just came up yesterday. I was kind of inadvertently at a at a meeting um, at a, a graduation party, and someone brought up a, a bad example. Uh, they were teasing me about getting my message together and, and downloading it off the internet. And uh, in the in the course of that conversation, they alluded to the fact that they knew pastors who who downloaded their in, their their messages off the internet and sounded a lot like you know pastor so and so on the radio or television. And uh, I, and all of a sudden it wasn't funny anymore to me. And I was like, "Hey, listen, I mind my own gold. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't look at someone's you know thoughts, but what I teach in HBI and what we do on Sundays and what we do tonight, this stuff is not. Uh, I'm, I take that serious, right? So, I we don't go off. And, I'm not saying again. I, I, I'll listen to Pastor Jeff and Randy and all the pastors here. I'll glean from every one of these guys. I'll glean from my teachers, and I'll glean from from faithful men. So don't. I'm not saying I don't ever look at a commentary, but I definitely dig for my own gold, and I, I know all the pastors here do. And so, uh, so. You, you download from the Word, or you download. 
God personally, you don't have to have it from a third. You really don't have time to to do a whole lot of plagiarism. <laughs> Because you're just sorting through. When you do enough word studies and just kind of look for first all the time, like I do, I mean, that just keeps you full. I mean, really, it's not that complicated. I mean, you just you start to see pictures and patterns, and next thing you know, your your, your cup is full. You don't have a lot of time to add extras, and that's that's why my sermons get so long anyway. It's just like there's just so much to say. You know, uh, there's so much to look at in the Word of God. It's amazing. Um, it's God's word. My point is, uh, is this, I don't want to get too far afoot here, but we're following Christ. And we want to follow people who follow Christ. And it starts with the word of God. Um, you know, if we're investing, the first place we should invest is our family. And sometimes we get a little bit, oh, focused on the family too much. In the sense that we want to circle the wagons. And, you know, wait for the coming, you know, of the Lord Jesus and keep our little enclaves. And, of course, it is important, I think, to have stability and have peace and have a place. If we can have a place of peace, like a church property and a church building and a sanctuary, you know, so to speak. Uh, But at the same time, we really got to continue to go forward into the culture. And that starts at home. I mean... Um, I don't want my kids to be scared of the culture. I will say we have pulled our daughter back. We've reeled her in a little bit, um, and how we've you know we've let her come home for school the last is this this year, so this year, and I think it's been good for her. But socially, we're we're prepping. We're hopefully prepping her to go forward, right? So she's going to go public again this year. But if it's too much, we'll pull her back, right? That's an individual family thing um, that you work through. But ultimately, I want my kids to be forward facing. Right, I want them to know they can always, especially my daughter. Uh, she's always she can be right here with dad, you know, as long as she wants to be. But at the end of the day, especially my son, I definitely want him to be able to face forward and go forward into this world and be equipped with everything he needs. Um, and and so now, once once a child's an adult, just like discipleship, it's kind of on you, right? Of who you're following and then who's following you. You got to kind of make a decision. I'm following Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, people will follow you. Sadly, if we don't follow Jesus, we'll still have followers. And people will follow us the wrong direction. And, uh, man, I can't. I don't want my kids following me the wrong direction. I don't want you all following me the wrong direction. You know, I want, I want to follow Jesus because I want everybody to go his direction. I don't want to be responsible for people going the wrong direction. Though we get accused of that from time to time. Um, and so this is the age of grace. Um, and we know there's going to be a great falling away of Christians. And uh, Christians oftentimes are, are, are guilty of hoarding their lives and influences uh, and just leaving it in the church. But I, I see in this church a willingness to, to love the community, meet them where they're at, take them where they need to go, um, even if it means suffering a little bit. Um, and it's important that uh, that we live our lives um, not for ourselves but for the Lord Jesus Christ uh, obviously for our families those that we love in the ministry but also to get the gospel where it needs to go on time so um, so that's where I'm going to end tonight um, I'm going to pick up point B next week uh, no doubt uh, do not doubt your biblical heritage and so that's where we'll pick it up next week I didn't even give you a fill in the blank there so you know where we're going next week so uh, that's where, well, next week, that's where Jeff is going. No, Jeff isn't going. We decided not to. We're not going anywhere next week other than go spend time with our family. So forgive me for that. But then we'll, we'll pick up the week following uh, under point B um, as we talk about our biblical heritage. So, all right. Anything, any comments or thoughts?
Uh huh. Oh, right. So we won't meet on the 18th. It's Father's Day. I will be out. So I, I timed that right, didn't I? I didn't even know it. So pray for me. I got too many things going. Oh, I do. I do need to do that. I'm a little sleep deprived, so thank you for helping me.